0: you guys on the team? All right. If not, are you ready to join the team? <laughs> God's got a game plan for each and every one of us. And that's, the, that's today's message is the game plan. Either you have your game plan and your priorities and where you're going, or you're following God's game plan and his priorities and where he wants to take you. But there's a game plan. We just got to figure out what side we're playing on. I like that team. They're excited. They're on fire. They're passionate. And that's the team I want to be on. And they get to that place because they're in the secret place. And that's the theme of the message today. We must realize that God's word has not changed at all. Its meaning or the relevance has not changed in thousands of It's still the same today as it was yesterday, and it's going to be the same tomorrow. Today we're going to be talking from Psalms 91, and that whole passage is about the safety of abiding in the presence of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow by the flies that day by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent shall trample under your foot. Because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Heavenly Father, today I ask that we would dwell in the secret place, that we would be in your abiding love, and we would be in your protection, God. Lord, you know each what things each one of us are going through. You know what is happening in our lives and what we're fearful of and what we're dreading and what is going on. And you know the game plan for us. And I ask that today we would turn our focus to your game plan and not our own. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for this message. And I ask that you would use me to speak the words that you have poured out. And, Lord, that this would be for your glory and that lives would be ministered and touched today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in case you didn't know, I'm not Pastor Ron. I'm Pastor Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Ron has the awesome opportunity to go to Israel. And two more days and he comes home, yay. Um, (laughs) Um. But he is having a fabulous time. He's got to go to the Dead Sea. he got to go to the upper room, as we saw in the video. He has got to go to different places throughout Jerusalem and Israel and Tiberias. He's got to stay in a hotel right on the Sea of Galilee. And so he's having the time of his life. But he says it feels like he's had a fire hose being flung at him, and there's so much to take in that he's almost hard to absorb. And so I'm praying that over the next couple of nights that God would just let him absorb it and that it would just pour into him so he can come back and share it with us. Yeah. (laughs) God is still the same. He is still the same God as the writer of Psalms who penned the words that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God hasn't changed. Technology has changed, but God hasn't changed. The enemy hasn't changed. There is still an enemy out to steal, kill, and destroy us and come after us. There is still a secret place, though, that we can hide. And there is a peace in the midst of the storm that when all we know is that peace that surpasses all understanding. But we have to know God without a doubt to have that. So, maybe you're asking, what is this all about? Well, I want to ask you, what is the secret place? Where do we go? What is it all about? The first thought may come to your mind as we've talked about David, was about the secret place, it may have to do with the fact that David was hiding from King Saul at this time. King Saul was out to kill, destroy, and get David gone. He did not want David to rise up and become. King Saul had anger and bitterness and was ungodly, and he kept making attempts on David's life. As the jealousy of King Saul continued to burn hotter and hotter, David had to continually be on the move or risk that his life be taken. No doubt that there were many places that David had designated as secret places. You know, when you're being attacked by the enemy, just go back and say the same thing over and over again? Do you just go back and hide? If you've been a drug addict and you're running away from drugs and you're running towards God, do you go back to that house where you bought the drugs? No. If you're an alcoholic, do you go back to the bar where you used to get drunk? No. You stay away from those things. You run away. David was staying away from King Saul and he kept going and going and finding a secret place to hide and get away. No doubt that David had many places, deep in the wilderness and mountains, where he could go and feel some sense of protection from the fury of Saul. Some call them safe shelters, some call them safe houses, where we can hide and be protected. Because if you've ever been in an abuse situation, sometimes you need a safe house, a place where nobody knows where you're at, a place where nobody knows what's going on. But you and God, and you hide in that secret place. You hide in that safe place. We take comfort in the fact that God can and will protect his people. And although we do not understand all the whys of what happens, because even as Christians, bad things happen. We may not understand why people get in accidents or why they get cancer or why someone hurts you. We may not know the whys and how comes, But we do know that God has protected us. We don't even know how many times maybe God protected us on the way to church this morning. We don't know, as we're sitting in this building, how he has protected us. But we know that he is protecting us, even in the bad times. We need to take comfort in that. And although there may be the thought in the mind of David of the protection of God, even in the midst of battle and warfare, because he says in Psalms 27.5, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his secret tent and set me high upon a rock. David knew without a doubt that he had his God's protection. He, knew, he didn't know God's game plan. He didn't know what God was going to do. But he knew he had God's protection. He knew he was under that covering and that shelter. Even in the midst of the storm, even as his life was being threatened, he knew he was being protected. In those days when a battle was going on and the camps were being set up for the armies, the tent in the very middle of his troops, um, sorry, necklace got in the way. The tent was set up in the very middle for the commander and the captain of the army. If the enemy was going to get to the brain trust, the captain, the leader, they would have to break through the ranks, rank after rank after rank, that army encamped around them to get to the middle. Just as the team huddled around me this morning, the enemy would have to come through them to get to me. That team wasn't going to go down easy. That team was so on fire and so protective Nothing was going to come through. The defense wasn't going to make it through. We had a game plan in our focus. We had a secret plan and a secret place to dwell and hide. That's what happened with David is he would hide within the center. He told his armies, you need to protect me. So rank after rank, as, the, as people came against him, he was protected. And he had God's protection. David could have also been saying in that time that even though we're in the middle of the battle, we need to stay near if we expect to receive his protection. We don't know exactly what the thought plan was, but he says, I know I am protected as I dwell in the secret place. In the secret place in the middle of the army was so inaccessible to the enemy that nearly the whole army would have to be wiped out before reaching the middle of the Think about the size of the men that were just standing around me this morning. I'm 4'11". Some of them are over 6 feet tall. Some of them are over 200 pounds. It would take quite a few of you to get through that army. (laughs) It would take quite a few of you to get through that army. So I hope I don't make you that mad that you would need to go through that army. Um, (laughs) But there was a game plan, and I trust each one of them that they would protect me if I I believe today that God still has an army, and he also has an army of angels encamped around us on a daily and nightly basis. Not just me, not just Mom, not just Dean, not just Miss Robin in the back, but each and every one of us. The God has entrusted an angels encamped around us to protect us and guard us. We have to have a reason to feel confident in our God, though. If the church doesn't feel confident about God, then how are people that don't even know Jesus going to feel confident about God? If we can't say in the midst of our trials, God's got my back, how can we lead someone to Christ to say, you know what, He's a loving God and He wants to take care of you? How can we say in the midst of everything that's going on in this world right now with war raging and enemies coming in and people shooting down people in churches? How can we say, I trust God beyond a shadow of a doubt, but yet live in fear? We need to have a confidence in God, in the secret place to know that we've spent time in his word and we've had intimacy with Christ to be able to say, I love you, God. I love you, God, when my heart is broken. I love you, God, when my body is falling apart. I love you, God, when I see war raging on and I don't understand why people are being killed and broken. I don't understand why car accidents are happening. But I love you, God, and I have confidence that you're going to protect me in the midst of this storm. Somebody really needs to hear this today because you've been questioning God and asking why. What's going on? As we learn, there is a greater meaning being conveyed here by David and in the most holy place of the tabernacle that is being alluded to. There's a place that only once a year the high priest would come and offer the blood of atonement of the sins for the people. The sacred chamber was not a place that you could just walk into. It was a place to be treated with the highest of honor and respect. And in fact, the priest was the only one who was allowed to enter in. Even then, he would wear bells on the bottom of his garment. So as long as the bells were ringing, the people knew he had not been struck dead. Imagine a temple, a chapel that nobody could go into, but that's where the presence of God was. And only one could go in and represent the city of Israel. Only one could go in. And that one had better have his life right with God. He better have been seeking God and know without a doubt or that one was going to die in that place. But that one, when they would go in, they would lay down the blood of bulls and goats and then they would come back out after praying. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. The lonely, empty chamber was a place where the footsteps of sinful man were heard only once a year, and it spoke volumes in its silence of the separation that existed between a holy God and sinful man. There between the cherubim of the glory of God shone forth, and it, in it was a place that God dwelt among his people at the same time. David had a desire to be near the heart of God, but this leads to a question. Was how do we dwell there? How could David dwell there? So We have a holy God and sinful people, but because of Christ, that veil that separated us, love that part. (laughs) Literally, you guys are quiet this morning. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So how do we dwell there? How do we get into the innermost circle to be with our captain and chief, to be with the quarterback of the team? How do we get there? Because in football, don't they always protect the quarterback? (laughs) Okay. I, I don't know football, just in case you don't know. I don't, yeah. I like to eat the food with Super Bowl, but I don't do football. But I have learned that the quarterback is in the center and everybody else is supposed to guard them so that they can get the ball to the other end and get it to the infield, right? To make the touchdown, yes. And so, (laughs) but there takes practice and there takes skill and there takes time become that quarterback It takes time to get to know those plays it takes time to build the trust with the teammates you don't want to make your teammates mad you don't, because they're not going to protect you if they don't trust you they're not going to protect you if they don't have that sense of camaraderie that sense of family that sense of we're in this together that's what the quarterback needs is that family a football team becomes a family A church becomes a family. We're not in this to go through things alone. All those things that we go through and all the things that happen in our lives, yeah, happen. But we're a family, and we're there to encourage and support each other. Not to talk about, not to backbound, not to backlash against each other. One of the things I learned really early on in ministry as a pastor was sheep bite. (laughs) that the church bites sometimes and you have to learn are they biting because they're hurt are they biting because there's something going on that they're not talking to us about or are they biting because they don't even know what's going on and they've lost their faith but how do we dwell in that secret place how do we get the quarterback to the secret place literally no man up to that point had been allowed to go into the temple except for the priest, the high priest. David was not thinking about going to the secret place, but he wanted to dwell there. Just as we discussed, you know, we have it so easy. We can come in at any time, sit down and go, oh, Heavenly Father, I don't know what's going on in my life, but hey, God, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to dwell with you. David didn't have that ex He could talk to God, but it wasn't like that same conversation. He didn't have that freedom and liberty. That veil hadn't been torn yet. We can come into the church. We can come into the holy place. And we can come into intimacy with Christ. We can come in during worship, and we can put our hands up and say, I surrender. And we can be in that holy place. We must look at what David is saying in a spiritual sense, because he knew that there was no way, He was going to go in and live in the holy place. He knew his life wasn't completely right to be able to go there. However, we do know that the whole house of Israel entered in the most holy place in the person of the high priest who went in once a year to spread that blood on the mercy seat. That was their representative. And while they went on about their lives throughout the entire year, they always knew that the blood of the sacrifice had been sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And in a sense, we're under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm so thankful that we can be under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm so thankful that we can call upon him and love on him and be in his presence and feel that sense of protection. The priest became that representative for them and was literally under the shadow of the Most High when he went in to offer the blood. We must realize today that Jesus Christ entered in to the holy place, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his perfect, sinless blood. That blood was not just to cover over, but it would take away the sins of the world. The blood that the priests would take in was to cover over. It was a protection, but the blood that Jesus shed was to give us eternal salvation. That without a doubt, that veil was torn, and nothing could separate us from the love of God. Nothing could. Could come between us, except for us. We were the only ones that could say, I don't want God's love, and walk away. But God will never do that to us. Hebrews 9, that's where it says in Hebrews 9:12, is he did not enter by the means of bloody goats, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption for us. We must realize that the only way we can enter in this relationship with God in the first place, is because of the blood of Jesus. It is the same blood that keeps us and promises us, promises us, I can say this right, a dwelling place in the presence of God. Without the blood, there is no fellowship. If we didn't have the blood of Jesus, we couldn't come in and sit at his feet. We couldn't come in and bask in his glory. We couldn't come in and fill him. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith but it's really good sometimes to feel him. It's really good to be able to have that presence and to say, oh, you're in this place. I can take a deep breath and breathe you in. You're using me in a powerful way, Holy Spirit. It's really good when there's that song comes on and it draws you in. We wouldn't have that with The blood, there be no forgiveness of sin. We too enter there when in the name of Jesus we come to God. Because the word says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes to God except through Jesus. The moment we begin to somehow believe that is because of our own merit, because some have been taught that they have to do works. Some have been taught that the only way they can get close to God is to continuously doing good. So they'll spend their whole life working, but they'll never get a relationship with Christ. We have to look at what the secret place is and what it is to dwell there. And that becomes an indwelling. I thought about my dad worked in the oil fields, and so I thought about him with the big rigs, and they would have the big drill that would go down. And you know, and there was layers. That's how our hearts are. There's layers. We built layers in our hearts. And so they would take that drill, and they would start going in. And they would get through the first layer of dirt. And then there would be almost like a concrete dirt, brick-type dirt. And then finally they would hit that oil. And what it reminded me of was in our hearts, some of us have let our hearts get so hard and calloused we don't want to feel anything maybe because we've been hurt so bad and we've put up so many walls that God stands there and he goes like this I'm right here, let me in and he's knocking and he's knocking but he's a gentleman, he's not going to pound just let me in just let me in let me in that callus. let me break that callus off I'm the potter let me just break it open that's the indwelling is when he finally gets in there. When he's finally shattered the callus and he's broken off the bricks and he's and he's gotten into the soft place of the heart and the blood starts to flow and it starts to pour into you, that's the peace that comes in. That's the indwelling. That's how he starts to just move and use us. And that's when we start to get that place of no doubt. That's when the game plan starts to become real to us. That's when the game plan starts to just pour out that you have no doubt that even when you don't know where you're going tomorrow and you don't know where the money's going to come to take you to wherever you've been told to go, that's when you just go. Because you know God has a plan and you know that he's going to take care of you no matter what. God doesn't leave us and he doesn't forsake us and he doesn't call you to go somewhere to leave you. He doesn't call you to go to the hole and to dig up something for you not to find something. He doesn't take you to the lake or the watering place and tell you to dive in but not teach you how to swim in it. He wants us to go deeper, and he wants to go deeper in us. He doesn't want to just get through that first layer and that first piercing. He wants to break open our hearts so he can indwell with us. Because otherwise, what happens is the condemnation of the law and the holiness of God fastens upon us quickly. All of a sudden, that sin that's been in our life and God clash, and we feel convicted, but we take it as condemnation. We take it as, I'm just no good and I can't go forward. And not condemnation. And then we go, okay, God, I see what you're saying. I need to let that go. I'm going to let you in that secret place of my heart. I'm going to let you pour into me so I can let go of all those past hurts, all those past things, all those things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I'm going to let you change me. Even though I don't know what you're going to change. Because there may be some things that you don't even know about that God wants to change in you. It's not until he has that indwelling, that relationship, that he al- that we allow him to change us. There's a story that I found that goes with this. It was related during the Civil War, what a Confederate soldier who was placed far out in a lonely wood. In the lonely woods, to watch. Suddenly, he felt a strange dread and a fear. Come The moon was shining dimly in the deeply wooded place, and while it seemed strange and unwise, he felt constrained to sing softly an old hymn. Jesus, lover of my soul, to me thy bosom fly. And then he sang the stanza because he missed the whole rest of the song because he was so fearful. did this over and over until the fear and the dread were gone because he knew Jesus was the lover of his soul. He knew Jesus was the place that he could come in and hide, and it was the only refuge that he had. A few later years later, when the war was over, he was at a meeting, and the same song came on. on. And after the song, a stranger came up to him and said, I've never seen you before but I've heard your voice. Then he asked him, did you sing that song one night during the war? And they started talking, and the man said, yes, I did. He said, I was a Union soldier, and we were hidden behind the trees, and we had our guns turned towards you, and we were ready to fire. But, but, as we heard that song, and you sang that, Jesus, lover of my soul, and other refuge have I none. I said to my men, don't fire or shoot that man. Don't do it. And we slipped away and left you. I shall never forget the voice I heard in the night. And this is a true story. It's in a Civil War book. There is only one refuge, and that refuge is Jesus. And we need him. Every day, in every way, that we make. he's our game plan he's our refuge the grace of God through his son Jesus provides us the unmerited favor that we need to make it through life with victory and to the other side as pastor Ron always says we're not fighting for victory we're fighting from victory Amen. Jesus already gave us the victory now we're just going forward in it. It can almost be compared to inside of a cage, only the being compared to you're inside the cage and a lion is on the outside, doing everything it can to get you. The arms of the enemy cannot reach through and take your salvation. We are in the secret place. There is a confidence Rest upon our lives that only comes from the relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're wondering, what am I talking about? What does she keep saying? Relationship. I've given my heart to Jesus. There's more to just giving your heart to Jesus. You become a Christian the day you give your heart to Jesus. But you have to build a relationship. Just like, Mom, this is my mother in law. have a relationship and it's a good one but it's not because I came in and said I'm marrying your son whether you like me or not (laughs) and it's (laughs) and it's not because I came in and I said you know what we are just going to move here and you're never going to see him he's all mine and we're just breaking that relationship but it's because I wanted her attention I wanted her love and i wanted her to like me and i wanted a relationship with her so i found out the things that she liked and thank god they were things i liked <laughs> i found out the colors the type of car the things that she puts in her home i got to know who she was and i built a relationship And that's what God wants us to do with him. That's what Jesus wants us to do with him, is to build that relationship, to get into his word, to dive into the holy place, the secret place that he's called us out of, the things that break our hearts. He wants us to come in and say, take over. I want to know you so I can become like you. He doesn't want us just on the sidelines cheering the team on. You know as i was going through this sermon the song take me in kept coming to heart just kept coming to heart take me in past the outer courts i don't want to be on the outside go what are they seeing what are they going because i'm short i would never see anything i don't want to be back there i want to be in the inner court on the front on the front going yes take me to that place I want to be in that holy place. I want to cry my heart out. I want to pour it all out and not leave anything behind. I want Jesus to dwell inside of me so that when I walk out, people see his love, so that when I hug people, they feel his love, that it's not about me, but it's all about him. Jesus has touched each and every one of you. I know most of you in this room today, and he's touched you in miraculous ways. He's poured out into you, and he has said, come on. And maybe you say, you know, I'm pretty comfortable right where I'm at. God doesn't want you to stay in that comfortable spot. <laughs> and when I say, God, but, you know, things are going well right now. He says, well, it's time to stretch a little more. You've learned that lesson. Let's move to the next. Place when I find his game plan and I hear the game plan that he pours into me. It's in those moments of reading my word and crying out to him and worshiping that I get to know him and I build that relationship. That's the indwelling of the secret place. That's where he Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. Whoever fears, whoever respects the Lord and cries out upon him has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. It doesn't mean that your children may always stay, but you know what? The word says, as for me and my house, we shall dwell. They shall come back. If the seed's been planted, it says they're going to come back. They're not going to go far. They may have to figure out their lessons because some kids are kind of hard headed. (laughs) But they're going to come back. They're not going to go far. How many of you today want that relationship that produces a confidence? and a boldness, but also produces a delight and a joy that leads one to say, he is my God. How many in this room? Then let's stand up this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, today we stand up and we say, he is my Lord. And, Lord, we want to go deeper. We want to be in that dwelling place. We want to know the game plan. We want to know what you have for us. We want to dwell in the secret place. God, I ask that each one of us and each family represented would go a little further in you today, a little further this week. And, God, I ask that if there be any needs, that you would meet them and exceed them right in this place today, God. I ask for miracles because your word says Signs and miracles shall follow. And I ask that miracles would begin to happen in the lives. That lives would just see total change. And God, that we would stand up as the army you've called us to be. And we would go into that secret place. Take us in. Clean our lips. Clean our hearts. Clean everything that is not pure and right with you. I ask that you would take it. Take it all, and Lord, that we would lay our lives down before you, and pour them out, and that you mold us, and indwell with us. God, we give you praise for that, in Jesus' name.